The Outskirts of Faith podcast is brought to you by Monkey Nut Audiobooks. Creating audiobooks, podcasts and voiceovers that keep people listening. Hello and welcome to the Outskirts of Faith podcast, whether you're on Instagram, seeing us on there, whether you're on TikTok, whether you're on YouTube or just listening on your favourite streaming, you are very, very welcome. This is the podcast for everybody. It's a conversation that's been going on for around 2,000 years and before that, it's been sourced since the dawn of time, the beginning of time. So come on, this is for everybody. Let's see what's going on on today's show. I see that some of the issues that made me feel on the outskirts were down to me. I think it's easy to choose to feel on the outskirts, to Mm. see things and assume that you're not welcome. It took me a while to feel really settled in church second time round. Trying to fill gaps where you see them can be your gift to a church that doesn't feel quite as you would like it to be. So I'm really excited today because I'm joined by a good friend of mine, a very, very talented lady and just one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. She is an author, a presenter, written a book, Notes on Love, which is a fantastic book. I'm not just saying it. Go and check it out. It's brilliant. In fact, love it so much that at Monkey Nut Audiobooks, we've got a great big poster of it on the wall. We love it that much. And she has got other things on the horizon, which I'm sure she'll tell you about. Lauren Windle, you are very welcome. Oh, I feel very welcome. What an introduction. Thank you so much. No, you're welcome. So tell me what's going on with you at the moment. You've been writing more, haven't you? What's, tell me about that. Yes, I've been writing more. So Notes on Love came out, gosh, like two years ago, coming up to two years ago. And I've been working on a second project, um, which is going to be about what it's like to be a woman in a classically male-led church and some of the ways that Christianity is amazing at embracing women and some of the ways that I feel we as the church could get it better, I'd say. What I found amazing with Notes on Love, for example, and your new book sounds really exciting, is how many people it kind of reached sort of behind the scenes without kind of knowing about it. So from my point of view, I found that when we had like authors or narrators and things coming into the studio, they would walk past it, see it, see the caption and go, oh, I should read, I'll be interested in that. So (laughs) would you say that the topics that you're covering are kind of what people are keeping a bit hush-hush in the back pocket rather than talking openly about it? And are you finding that your book is allowing them to speak more freely? Basically, I think these conversations are happening, but in coffee shops, just between friends or at the pub or something like that. And actually, I feel like God is interested, the church as a whole is interested, but maybe shy away from talking about these things. Maybe they don't have that much personal experience. Often leaders are, are married and they're a bit worried about speaking to being single or often leaders are male and they're not quite sure how to tackle kind of this world of feminism and, and they're worried that it's it's just completely contradictory to what they're preaching. So it ends up just being sort of debates amongst friends rather than from from any kind of big research theological perspective from the front so this is kind of, it's a lifestyle book all of my books are lifestyle books i'm not a theologian but i think it's just about opening up that conversation and encouraging it yeah into the light a little bit more i feel like it's coming at a very very good time as well one thing that i'm with all these podcasts there's a, a shift things are moving on people are getting more open minded mm. are you finding that that's happening as well I think she that pauses. The last... 
<laughs> not necessarily more open-minded, if I'm totally honest. But I do think that the last few years have been an invitation to listen to people whose lived experience is not the same as yours. Right. And for me, I've been speaking about the lived experience of a single person in the church. And I think that's really important. And I think that there's an emphasis on marriage. And I think that we need to talk about that. You know, Black Lives Matter was an invitation for people, you know, who aren't black to hear about the experiences yeah, right. of people and and actually it's just a chance for us to listen and then you know hashtag me too and and that whole movement around women and I was amazed by um in the sort of uproar after Sarah Everard's disappearance and then obviously subsequently we found out that she was very horrifically murdered um was that there was a lot of conversation about how people didn't feel safe women didn't feel safe walking home and a lot of my male friends said that that was just a revelation to them. Like they love to walk home after a night at the pub or hanging out at a friend's house. They'll put their music in. It's a bit of them time for a nice walk. Women don't do that. They mm. put their keys in between their fingers and things. And that's just one sort of opportunity where people realized that someone else's lived experience is different. And I think that, that that's the invitation at the moment, you know, is just to hear and that's what I, I hope we're all going to be doing more of. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> no, but it's great. It's great that you're you're addressing this as well. I remember just quickly um, hearing my mm. first understanding about the the fear of sort of walking home and things like that, which I, I, I always kind of knew, I always understand it, because I think that deep down from a male point of view as well, sometimes you can feel a bit nervous ourselves, you know, if you're going in a certain yeah, area. Sure. But there is that vulnerability. and, and um, But also, when I was talking to someone from 24-7 Prayer, and when I actually found Ooh. out that there were these like groups in Ibiza and things like that who were just there, mm. their, their sole job is to make sure that that women get home properly, you know, and safely. And uh, I was like, yeah. wow, is it that bad? But no, that, mm. that's thank you for sharing that. Um, your first book, just my last question before we move on, is that it had so many personal stories in it. Like, I'm laughing now <laughs> because I remember you telling them and uh, it, they were so funny. <laughs> does, does your next book have any stories in or is it a slightly different angle? I'd say it's... it's if, if somebody liked Notes on Love and they're interested in the topic of, of women and, and women's place in society and how and if... Um, feminism and Christianity can coexist and in which ways they're compatible, then this is this is right up their street. I do bring in quite a few personal stories. I tell you, I'll tell you one very briefly. You've heard um, it here the, first. <laughs> <laughs> I, my stomach was driving me crazy and it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And in the end, I went to a GP and they did all their due diligence, had a little push on my tummy. Um, Took a took a little thingy to do a, a pregnancy test in case it was sort of like something in my ovaries or something, and um, said, "Okay, I think your appendix is is playing up. I'm going to send you straight to hospital." Wrote me a letter saying, "You know, da -da -da, please see this person. You know, Lauren, we think this, this, and this." Took it to the hospital. Took it. I was given a, a male surgeon who came in and was like, "Okay, yeah, we just think you might be pregnant." And I was like, "Okay, I'm not pregnant." And he was like, "Well, you just never know these days." And I, I did want to explain to him that there are ways you can definitely know. Um, but so wow. he didn't. He he just thought that you know. Well, how can I be sure? I have to say straight away ways that to be sure. Felt so the way the way that sounded to me was so disrespectful as well. Oh, massively, oh my massively. goodness! 
And then he sent a male nurse in to speak to me who said that they didn't want to operate because they weren't sure if it was a problem with my lady parts. And I thought... Did they phrase ah, it? Did they 30, phrase it like that? The literal words, lady parts. Now, as a 30-year-old woman with a biological degree, yeah. I'm very happy with the medical terms. You know, I don't need you to talk about, you know, what even are lady parts? Be more specific. Yeah. And when a, when an actual, when another nurse came in <laughs> and asked that. me yeah, my yeah. level of pain... Yeah. You know, down, yeah, down there. The le- down, down there. there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, honestly, if you can't say it properly, then really, oh. is this your job? <laughs> Another nurse came in, this time a female nurse, and asked me the level of my pain from one to ten, and I said eight. And the male surgeon told her to write five because otherwise they would rush me straight into surgery. And there is just this long history of women not being believed in their pain and actually a lot of research that says it's worse for women of colour as well. And I've just pulled on off the back of that experience. I was like, I am going to really research this, find mm. out what on earth is going on. And yeah, and, and particularly, you know, there's women with endometriosis and stuff like that who are just constantly sent away from hospitals without proper diagnosis. So, um, so that was that you know in some ways that's very enraging but also that story i think we can all agree is quite funny it's 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 funny in a head in the hands in the head in the hands kind of way like part of me wants to scream lauren i'm so sorry that happened to you and other parts of it is like i'm really glad that you've got that that you are the that it happened to someone like yourself who can tell the story so it can raise yeah. awareness. You, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Goodness me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? This is it this is a book. Um, look mm. out for it. Just look. Do you know what? Just follow uh, Lauren Windle on her social because I do. And it's a very, very enjoyable thing to follow. <laughs> so that's probably the best way to keep on top of that. So Lauren, we're yeah. talking. Um, I'm going to remember. Oh, I tell you what, my publisher would absolutely kill me if I didn't say the name of the book, which is Notes on Feminism. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking The Outskirts of Faith. All right, that's we what are. we're talking about. So the, the obvious question, and it's a question I ask everybody, first of all, is have you ever mm. found yourself on the outskirts of faith or been pulled to the outskirts of faith? And if you have, what did that look like? Oh my gosh, how long have we got? I have felt completely outside of, on the outskirts, and more recently, kind of like central, like held in the, in the community. Mm-hmm. And I think... Do you know what church and faith and and it's actually often when we say outskirts of faith, well, certainly for me, I don't think of have I felt on the outskirts of my relationship with God. I think of have I felt on the outskirts of groups of Christians. And it's a shame that the way people treat you can affect your faith so dramatically but certainly growing up I did not feel happy in the church I was in I did not feel liked or popular or like I fit in people weren't very kind to me I was quite bullied particularly in like the the church youth group on a Friday um so I stopped going as soon as my mum would sort of let me um so I was about 13 and I I just I think it's horrible being in any room where you're like I'm not welcome here you know and um and then so I came back to faith when I was 25 and even then like I found some things about church just a bit weird like the way they talk about worship and they're like that's the worship leader and I'm like what do you mean the vicar because obviously everything we do is worship and then actually they just mean singing or like 
like, why is there an apostrophe in the word every in songs when we're actually just saying the word every, every time? Like, no one taught me all of that stuff. And this, like, weird Christian language, like, we're going to do life together mm. um, and things like that. And I just felt very much like, oh, you know, I, I feel like I'm starting a new job and I have to learn, like, where everything is. And, and people kind of just assume that you know what you're doing, that you've been to church all your life and blah, blah, blah. So it took me a while to feel really settled in church second time round. And I do now and I love it. And actually, I see that some of the issues that made me feel on the outskirts were down to to me. I think it's easy to choose to feel on the outskirts, to mm. see things and assume that you're not welcome, to see a group of people like getting on really well or going for lunch and being like, well, why aren't I included and feel really um really low about that but then also i can see that some of those things are just things that we get wrong and and things that as a church and as a church community and as individuals we could do better and i try and do those things better or talk about those things that we can do better like as as i get the opportunity and there's a whole section in the book on how the church and church leadership and church community can be better specifically for single people but obviously it's this isn't just a single people thing this is a everyone has something that that maybe we need to be listening to and and embracing better um so yeah that's that's it. I've certainly felt that way. And it's very hard, particularly in church, where you feel this extra emotional layer of like, you know, your spiritual life, your your faith is tied in with, with what happens in your Christian community. Lauren, that's, that's really interesting. The question that springs to mind here, something we've covered before is about mm. is about church community. And one thing that I, I often say is, if you go to a church and you're unhappy there, that doesn't mean church isn't for you. It most likely mm. means you're going to the wrong type of church. You know, mm, would you yeah. would you say that? Part looking back now, would you say that that particular church maybe just wasn't right for you, and there may have been a, a better suited church in hindsight? I felt called cool to be there, um, okay. and I felt. Yeah, and I felt that I should stay. So when I first started going to church, it was in Paris, and I've got quite a sort of gritty <laughs> it was in backstory. Paris. It was in Paris, it was... darling. I was <laughs> no, we were eating well, that... croissants and drinking coffee. <laughs> yeah, there was quite a lot of coffee, maybe the occasional croissant in um, in church. Yeah, maybe on a on a breakfast. Um, <laughs> Well, so, but I mean, as you know, but as people listening, maybe, maybe wouldn't, I've come from a background of addiction. So in between being 13 and 25, I went into um, alcohol addiction, drug addiction. And then when I got sober, I decided I had to sort of work out what this sort of higher power spiritual thing mm. in my life was going to be. And that's, and that's what brought me back to church. And that first church I loved, and it was very international. I was, it was an English speaking church in a country that wasn't an English speaking country. So it was people from all over the world. That, and that was just sort of one of many languages that was spoken. And each message was translated into Mandarin and French. And you could have the little listening things and, and all of that. And it was wow. just a really beautiful community. And I was really, really taken under under their wing but then when I got back to the UK I found 
the church to be very segregated, you know, and we'll we'll openly talk about, you know, black church. And then we'll talk about like, well, I guess we don't really have a term for it. But, uh, you know, the Anglican church that I ended up going to was predominantly white middle class. And I felt a bit annoyed that I'd been called there when despite being white and middle class myself, I, I just had been used to like I remember in one service, they said a very short verse. I can't remember what it was. And they asked everyone to, who had a different language to stand up and translate it. And it was like 40 different languages and it was beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, but yeah. like that's just you know and it was a very different environment when I came back to the UK um, and I don't think I was in the wrong place because I think God told me to be there um, and I think I grew amazingly and the leadership was so kind and, and gentle and invested in me and I made some friends for life but I think I think it was a lesson that no church is perfect, that I'm never going to find exactly what I want. Mm. Um, and that actually consistency and investing and trying to fill gaps where you see them and, and highlight maybe blind spots yeah. can be your gift to a church that doesn't, doesn't feel quite as you would like it to be. What I am loving about what you're you're saying here as well is that it very much reaches out to I think so many people who may be thinking oh, I'm a bit fearful about going to church I'm not sure if church is right mm. for me because you do hear it is a certain way I know what you mean about that the scene in the UK but I also think I'd like to think that it's progressing like for example mm. I, I, there is quite a few churches near me I'd say my church is quite cool it's diverse it's, it's of course you would you know it's a, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but you know, there there are times when you're sort of thinking, hmm, yeah, I'm not sure. But mm. I think as well, it's quite interesting that the work that you're doing now and how you're helping so many people now and reaching out to so many people and, and with the stories that you can tell, you can tell those stories because of what you've been through. Mm. And mm. so it does lend the question, and, and I, I really hope I'm respectful in saying this, because I really want to be, is that were you in many ways meant to go through some of the things that you were meant to go through? I'm just looking at it from one angle. Mm, so you're mm. able to share these stories now to benefit other people in their walks of life. Do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah, I've definitely asked myself that question. Yeah. I think I landed on no. But with caveats, I, I think that, and this and this is sort of verging into this kind of calling territory that we're focusing on. I think that God, God is with us. God has these plans for us, and and you know the whole Bible is basically, except with the exception of Jesus, people who stray away from God and the consequences of that, which can can at times be very horrific, and then you know people who take steps of faith and and listen to him and then and then the consequences of that which which are great mm. um and i feel like god wouldn't have wanted me to take this path would have used me for a calling had i not had i stayed in the church had i not taken the drugs had i you know been the other side of that prodigal son story i think he would have used me just as valuably hopefully and there would have been a way to 
affect really positive kingdom change and change for God without having those experiences. But I chose to have those experiences. I chose to distance myself from God and then the consequences snowballed of that. So he's now using that for his good. I That's kind of what I believe on it. I know lots of people would have different understandings of that and, and stuff like that. But yeah. I think what you're saying is fantastic. I literally think what you're saying is fantastic. But I suppose because we could dive right into this. I mean, your your whole your whole story, what you have to say, I literally could say, let's just cancel everything today and let's just talk about this. <laughs> and I think we would keep everybody here listening as well for the eight hour <laughs> podcast. So come and grab a duvet. We're, we're doing a 24 hour. But the thing that I want to ask you is for people who are going through trauma right now. And for yeah. people who are who have and that trauma could look in, in many different directions. It could be really extreme. It could just be maybe more mild. It could just be bad thoughts. It could be that they just need something in their life. Because we all go through it. You know, I've got my story. Mm. Maybe I'll share that one day. I don't know. But we've all got we've all mm. we've all got our stories and we've all got our thing. For, but for people who are going, do you know what, Lauren? I'm really feeling that. I'm really hearing what you're saying. Why would you say to them? Perhaps you should try church or perhaps you should, and even if it's not church, you know, perhaps you should try speaking to God or praying. Why, why would you say, what would you say to those people who are going, yeah, I want that, but you know what, I'm going through this and I feel like this. What mm. would you say to those people? I think both of those things in terms of like prayer and deeper connection with God, I think that we all, at the crux of it, are struggling with different levels of fear. And if we boil that down even more, you know, so like fear of fear of what other people think of you, fear of um, failure, fear of success, maybe even, fear of the unknown, fear of the future, fear of, you know, what of dying or what comes after dying, you know, whatever it is, there's there are various things that everyone's afraid of. And I think if you if you boil that down, it's it's that we all need a sense of belonging, a sense of identity and a sense of purpose. And actually, I I truly believe that all three of those things can come from God. And hopefully that would be displayed through a relationship that you could build with the church as well. And I think personal relationship with God, Jesus, that's your, that's your priority. That's your number one. Um, but actually, like, to root yourself in a community of people who yeah. can support you and love you and care for you through that journey, and particularly for coming from a place of trauma, is incredibly important. You know, and we're in a world where everyone's so lonely, but there's real authentic connection available um, in a church. And I didn't like, you know, you've heard me say I didn't love church. I was bullied in church. I felt the church was very judgmental. And I remember saying all of this it, when I first came back to church at 25 and they took me to a women's Bible study and they said like, oh, go around and just tell the thing that really attracted you to Christians. Like, what do you really like about Christians? And they went around and some people were like, oh, they're so kind. Oh, I just love the generosity I saw. And then I was last. <laughs> I know. And they got to me and I was like, nothing. I don't like Christians. I think they're really judgmental. I think that they're really horrible. I think that they're not very empathetic. Um, I find them very difficult to be around. And I explained some of the things that I had seen or experienced. And this, it was a vicar's wife and she, and I, she was just in tears. Yeah, and she yeah. said to me, like, she just said, like, I'm so sorry. I'm so, she said, I know it's not me personally who did these things, 
but I am so sorry that that's what you've been shown. And I would love it if you gave us a chance to show you what this could be. And I feel like that's actually, you know, as a person in recovery, I go into meetings where we talk about how we've been doing with our recovery and stuff. And there's so much anger towards the church in those meetings. And you never specify. They don't want you to specify if you go to church or whatever. You can you speak in general terms about spirituality and a God of your understanding and your sort of higher power without specifying. And and it's just the church has just done so much damage with the way that it has treated people historically. Mm. And um, and I do think that some people need to hear that apology. And I am, and if you're listening and you're like, yeah, I'm fuming, I was, you know, I mean, right at the top end of it, abused. We know that people have been abused, and we know we probably only understand a tip of, of the iceberg of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, all the way down to just like just not being not feeling very welcome and harboring resentment around that, you know, like, I'm sorry, that's not a reflection of what God wants for you when you meet with other people who love him. And I would really encourage you to give us another chance. And as you say, in those recovery meetings, actually, they say to go to six different meetings because the first meeting may not be for you. And everyone has got its own kind of vibe and and sort of personality and feeling depending on the sort of makeup of the regular participants. And church is the same. Yeah. You know, try six very different churches and just see what feels like home for you and pick one and stick with it because there's no perfect church. So you do have to compromise and stick with one and invest in it. Lauren, first of all, thank you for sharing those stories and being so honest. You you always are. And it's it's very, very important people hear this. I also think that now's a, also a good time to say that if you do go to, like, say, church and you think, oh, this isn't for me or, you know, you feel mm. any way, you know, your rela- the relationship that you want to build is with God. Is, is, yeah, that's, a, that's the relationship you want to build. And so, for example, with church for myself, yeah, it's great that everybody's you know, we use that word worship. We need to cover that word sometime. But, you know, wor- they say worship together. I don't I don't really use that terminology. I'm like, I love being mm. under the same roof. I love that we're all there on the level, all these different walks of life, all these different mm. people. And you know what? We're just on the same plate here, just giving praise and singing together. But I love church for the community. You know, I, I, I also love the fact that in the middle of the night, if there was a problem, I could call someone up. You know, I, I really like that. Yeah. And I love that yeah. my children are in a sort of safe place and they can hopefully learn and grow some good things and learn a few things on the way and um but mm. but the relationship that you want to build if you know even if you think you know church needs to come later on if at all just by inviting i think by inviting the holy spirit in in the morning and just by having mm. a chat with god and go i'd really appreciate a little bit of help right a little bit of support i feel mm. like that having that building that relationship is really really key would you agree with that Yes, totally, totally. Was it Gandhi or someone? I can't remember who it was who said, like, I like your Christ, I don't like your Christians. It's really important to know that they are different just because if you've had a negative experience with Christians or you don't like the idea of walking to a church, it does not exclude you from Mm. developing a personal relationship with God. And there are loads of other resources that can help you build that. I mean, the Bible being the first, but then also, you know, podcasts like these and plenty of other people who, who would be really happy to speak to you about what that looks like like and 
you can, you know, and the gift is that you can speak directly to God as well. And you don't have to worship the same as the person next to you. If you think that yeah. they're, they're being judgmental and they think, oh, you know, we, sh- we should do it this way or you should pray by first acknowledging your God and doing it like this. Do mm. like that. You know, if you're, that's not for you, then do you know what? If, they're, if they ever feel like they're throwing it on you, well, that's wrong. I'm just going to put out that now. That's mm. wrong. You know, you do you. You be you. But the most important thing is to build that relationship and know that there is a loving God that you can have. Now, you talked about the Bible here. Now, I actually Mm. asked you to bring a little bit of scripture with you. And I was wondering if you would kindly read it to us and just let me know why you chose that bit of scripture. Okay. So I've picked something from Matthew. I think the Gospels, I remember when I when I was 25 and I first picked up the Bible, my mum said to me, don't start at Genesis. <laughs> and I was like, what? That's the beginning of the book. Obviously, I'll start Genesis. She was like, no, start at Matthew, read those four Gospels, and then, then just keep going and finish the New Testament. Once you've done that, then you can start at Genesis. And it's just the best advice. <laughs> so I've gone for something from Matthew, which is you know, it's the first book that tracks the life and works of Jesus. And then the other three obviously do the same from their various perspectives. Um, So 28, 16 to 20. So I've got like four or five verses, but this is the Great Commission and it's like quite a famous passage. So I'll read it and then we can chat about it. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Mm, lovely it's, be- it's beautiful it's beautiful mm, so, it so why did you choose that well we talked about calling you know and that's and that's what we're going to sort of dive into and ultimately that's the universal calling for right Christians. i'm going to stop that's... you there i'm going to tie these two together I'm going to tie these two together because I don't. I, I feel like you're about to go somewhere really awesome. So I'm just going to go straight away that it's now time for... What, what does, does it mean? I really don't have a clue. That's right. What oh gosh, does it mean? Was that Mary Poppins? It sounded like Mary Poppins. That's <laughs> yeah, a mate of mine. Just, just a mate of mine. <laughs> you know, she did it for me. Really? Yeah, she's a professional wow. narrator. She's great. Um, that's right. Okay, I did she ask gives me that vibe. Yeah. Yeah, I did mm-hmm. ask you about. Um, we talked about a calling. So let's just tie mm. this in together. Go, Lauren. Go, go, go. Tell us. So I guess calling, purpose, you know, mission can all kind of be tied together. And as Christians, we would believe that um, God has put a call on our lives. And you know, the big picture of that is to, you know, to love him, to love those around us and to introduce him to as many people as we can. And that's kind of what that verse is about. I think there are a few things to say around it, though. Um, I think that often in the sort of Western world, we hear calling and we think like this kind of have it all, you know, say for a mum, you know, she would she would go out to work and she'd be an amazing mum. And it's it's also her calling to do this in the church and blah, blah, blah. And and actually um calling is a privilege, you know, and that's really important to acknowledge. Like 
when we talk about like, oh, all of these achievements, we're not called to just relentlessly achieve. We're called to love and serve God. And I think for a lot of people, and I might even stretch to say the majority, the calling is to survive and to survive well and put food on the table and to love their families and to create a loving environment in their community, church, home, whatever that looks like. It's not to be standing in front of parliament or to be leading crusades or anything like that. And that is equally as valuable, equally as noble. And we need all of those people to be plugged into that and really, you know, really walking with God in that calling, even though it doesn't sound like what the world would tell you a calling is. So that's definitely something to say. This isn't like a, uh, an opportunity to shame underachievers because I just don't think that that's a thing. I feel like know? right now I kind of want to like jump over there and just give you a massive high five. Uh, you phrased that so, so brilliantly. And I think that, I wonder if you'd agree with this, that as human beings in, in 2023, we have this ability where we sometimes like to change meanings around a bit to kind of serve our mm. purpose. Would you agree with that? Mm. Yeah, massively, massively. And actually, you know, I think I think that we're just so, you know, this digital age, this have everything age, just everything immediately at your fingertips. It just builds this huge guilt in us about what we're not achieving. Yeah. Um, but actually, like, what's more important than what your LinkedIn profile should say or what, you know, the world says, you know, makes up to having it all for whoever you are. Um, whatever your life stage or gender or you know background or whatever actually like let's let's stop and particularly if you if you're a person who's plugged into your faith and you've developed that relationship with Jesus that personal relationship with God that we've been speaking about like ask him just say you know and calling changes it can be for a mm, year yeah. it can be for today you know it may be that you know that in in recovery we've got this amazing little card that they give you when you first walk in that you can put in your person it's like just for today and sometimes you're calling that day is just to get up and dress yeah. up and show up you know and that's that's okay it's not that you will wake up one day know exactly what your calling is and that's what you work to to the end of your days and there will be people who do that and that's amazing but actually you know it's a case it's it's an ongoing relationship it's an ongoing conversation it's listening to god it's being accountable to those around you and going okay lord what do you want me to achieve today what what do you want me to achieve this year what do you want me to achieve in this job or in this role in my family or this role in my church mm. and I'm really pursuing it and I truly believe that if you're aligned with God in that calling in that purpose for however long that may be um that he will provide you with everything you need to do that spectacularly you know and if that is to help people meet him then actually um you know like in that in that Matthew verse that I read, if it is to just be chatting or or just to be a light in areas where people don't often see much kindness or or gentleness or peace, you know, to bring that to them. Actually, if that's what you're called to do, that's fine. You don't have to stand on a soapbox and tell everyone to love Jesus because God will, God will take what he's called you to do and he'll multiply it, you know? So yeah. you don't have to necessarily even see things through to conclusion. You just have to play your incredibly valuable part. I was going to say that just by 
you know, God's love is so strong and that relationship, the more you build with that relationship, the more God can use you for your individual talents and skills and just and just in a much, much bigger way. So don't feel like you have to look around you and go, oh, they're doing that. They're doing that and they're doing that, which means, but I'm not doing that. You know, you never feel bad like that because if you, I truly believe with all my heart that if you build your relationship with God, you work together in such a beautiful way that you do find a sense of, you find a sense of achievement in in just feeling you in many ways mm. before you even go mm. down that that next stage. I'm, I'm curious, Lauren, yeah. so with everything we're talking, I'm really interested in your answer here. Where have you seen, with so much going on in the world and what you see around you and what other people see around you and what we hear, where have you seen God working recently? In my life or in the world or? Either or. Anywhere. Either or, yeah. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's, it's an interesting question. You know, I'm just curious what comes to mind. Okay. The first thing that comes to mind for me is that 2021, we would have been in lockdown for a lot of that year. And I started prayer walking with a good friend of mine and we we're both single and, but, but more so than being single, just felt like we were in a kind of cul-de-sac of connections. Like, you know, we had our small group of friends that were amazing and are amazing in our church, but that we weren't meeting new people, men, women, you know, that the community wasn't growing. And that's natural because it had been, you know, we're coming like two years basically of not being able to sort of get out there and socialize. So meeting new people was was off the cards for a while. And we were prayer walking and we really prayed about that. And we really prayed that you know, we would meet more amazing Christians, that we would be able to expand networks for ourselves, but also for other people, um, that there would be more dating opportunities, but also just opportunities, you know, for connection, for friendship, for community, for business, you know, even, you know, whatever it was, and just general sort of support. And we really like, it felt like a real dead end. It almost felt like we were asking for a bit of a miracle. And over the course of that year, my non-Christian friends were blown away by how many new people I met. And they were like, you know, if you want a date, you have to be on a dating app. Because when was the last time you actually had a conversation with a new person? I was like, three days ago? Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. like, how? And I was like, well, I just went to this church thing and blah, blah, blah. And oh, and now we're connected on Instagram or, you know, oh, and actually we were at the same party, blah, blah, blah. And I just felt this, this community rise and swell to the point where at the end of last year, I threw a Christmas party predominantly for single Christians. And we ended up with um, 280 on the guest list and 140 who came, which is wild when my friendship group was 20 people strong, you know, the year before. And I, I'm just, I was just so grateful for that. And it just felt like the most extravagant answer to a very specific prayer. So I definitely felt God moving in, in that sense, in building that community, which has been really exciting. I love it. Great answer. Thank you, Lauren. (laughs) Okay, it is now time for Splat the Nat. It's now time for what Splat, Splat the, Nat? the Nat. I'll tell you what Splat the Nat is. This is so 90s. I know. The sound effect. I love I know. it. That's it's ex- like I'm on the live and kicking. Do you know what? That, do you know the funny thing? Do you know the funny thing when I, was, when I initially put this whole podcast thing together? I thought to myself, yeah. let's go kind of like ridiculous kind of vintage fun kind of vibe on it. And uh, so nailed you, it. You thank thank you. Yeah. But I thought to myself, 
you know, what would I want to listen to just for a bit of fun and go with that? You know, so anyway, we're doing yeah. Splat the Nat and my friends were very happy to Splat do that. The voice. Splat the Nat. So basically the whole thing about the Nat is that, you know, there is a lot of bad stuff and, and negative stuff that just stops you getting, some people getting on with their day. You know, it can become a cloud like a brick wall mm. and you hold it with you and you can't mm. live a loving, mm. enjoyable life. And is I always refer to it as a bit like a gnat, you know, it just keeps flying off and then flying mm. back, even if you swat it. And then and you make a great mm. big fuss on this. But what you can do is you can p- grab grab that gnat, you can swat it, right? And then you can mm. pick it up and just hand it to God and say, look, you know, I know it's mm. not gone. I know it's not gone, but I'm going to hand that to you and then I'm going to clear myself off a bit and go ahead in life. And mm. then we will deal with that together mm. over time, but I'm not going to let it rule me right now. So if you could splat anything in the world and hand it to God, what would you splat? Okay, so mine would be idolatry. And that, I believe idolatry is a spectrum of desiring something more than you should, basically. And I'd say, oh, the, you know, if if the spectrum goes from at the bottom, like, you know, a really healthy relationship with whatever that thing is, like, you know, enjoy a moderation or you have no contact with what depending on what the thing is, all the way up to an addiction. I think if you look at your, at, at the things in your life that have a tendency to go that way, like your interpersonal relationships, your relationship with money, alcohol, food, mm. sex, you know, those kind of things, you can probably plot out on that on that spectrum where you are. So for me, alcohol, I'm right at the top with addiction. So I've had to be completely abstinent because I don't have an option to be moderate with it. Whereas actually I've got quite a good relationship with money. I've never had an issue with gambling or anything. So I'm probably like a two or a three on that scale. And I'm sure there's always ways to improve your relationship with money and to be more open-handed and blunt and hand it to God further. But it's certainly not like my danger zone, you know? And I think that you could do that with everything in your life. And I think ideally you want to be at a one or two with everything apart from God. Mm. You want him to be your 10, you know? And I think if we could get that right, a lot of those other things would also start falling into place. And, you know, those negative thoughts, that low self-esteem, you know, actually, if we're really rooted in our, um, I kind of want to say obsession, but it makes it sound like, it makes it sound negative, but in our, just in the way that we're awestruck by God and, and he takes all of our attention and time, then actually all of those other things really start to slot into their correct place. And I, so splatting this gnat thing i really like that in recovery we call it drop the rock and there's a really okay. powerful yeah really powerful like um image of that so there's like a guy who or girl you know there's a person who who wants to get on a boat and um the boat's left the harbor and he's running down the the dock and then he can see that it's taken off and it's you know, he's missed it and it's gone and it's starting to go down the water. And he's like, no, I'm not having that. And he jumps in the water and he's just swimming and swimming and he's just pumping his arms and he's not getting there. And it's continuing to move off. And people on the boat have seen this now and they stand at the back and they start, they they, they are encouraging him, like, keep going, keep going. You can join us. You can get on this boat, keep going. And then suddenly someone shouts, drop the rock. And he realizes that around his neck is this chain with a huge rock attached to it. And the message is that actually, like, 
you could be hanging on to something and they use the loose term character defect. You could be hanging on to something like pride, like like a fear, like one of those fears that I've mentioned earlier, or like gossiping or like, you know, something that's actually really negative. And it's stopping you from getting to the boat, which in this example is recovery, is freedom from, from those negative behaviours. And I do feel like a moment of introspection, you know, and, and for Christians to ask God, like, okay, what's my rock? What's my gnat? You know, what am I, what am I handing to you? Could just make all the difference. Lauren, you're so annoying because I just want to talk to you for so long. It's really frustrating. I'm like, I'm like, I have to move on. We should stay here. Lauren, I may have to get you back on. Now, before you before you go, I do a I'd quick a quick three-question fire round. Okay. The way this works. Now, oh, the... I love a quick fire round. <laughs> yeah, man, absolutely. And this um, format. So what I'm gonna do is just just stick it with the whole sound effects thing. So I ask you a question, I play a little something that I made in about five minutes um <laughs> it's, it's true it's true i'm not gonna lie it'll play sort of underneath and then when that when that finishes you can answer your question not everyone gets them all right i've only had a few who do and these aren't questions oh, it's right and wrong oh no it's general knowledge general knowledge but the thing is the whole point of this is the fact bit the whole point of it is that we don't all know it all you know like i i looked all of these up you know, right. I've got an iPad in front of all me right. with the answers. That's the way it is. And uh, I'm scared. No one's quizzed me before. There you I go. thought there going to be questions about me, like my favourite play ice cream. Well, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to shame myself with my right. lack of general knowledge. No, that's great. <laughs> Question number one. What is your favourite flavoured ice cream? <laughs> Mint chocolate chip. Mine too. Ding. One point to us. For real. Mine too. Anything after this <laughs> is great. Okay, right. You ready? All right, here we go. Okay. What problem did Bartimaeus have that Jesus fixed? Bartimaeus? Oh my gosh. What, was he the one who was lowered down by his friends through the ceiling? Oh, oh, it's his eyes, isn't it? Which I totally got on my own and not because you were gesturing towards your eyes. I was blinking. It was his eyes. He was blind. He was, he was Wait, blind. Wait, is this the one where... Did Jesus spit in the dust and make it into a paste and put it on his eyes? Well, the thing is, I got to... I, I, th I, I think so... I won't lie to you. Okay, you don't because, know. I know I don't know because there's two. I've got two stop two in my head here, but that's the one I right. We'll go. We'll go with this. This just shows, doesn't it? Okay, on the podcast here that you know this is real. Okay, we don't. You don't need to know all the scripture here. But it says here, look, Bartimaeus um, asked Jesus to restore his sight. Jesus heals him and says, "Your faith has made you well." On being cured, Bartimaeus immediately followed Jesus. I'm not sure. Is it just? It doesn't sound like that. No, it didn't sound one. like because there's no. That's right. I'm, this is something yeah. for us to check afterwards, and we'll come back. I'm, okay, I'm okay. On that homework. One. Homework. Okay. True or false? There you go. Fifty-fifty. Oh, love that. Jesus said only big money offerings were important to God. That's an easy one. That's a false. With the widow with her 2P. It wasn't 2P, but you know what I mean. Like, no. Any any contribution is valued and actually it's the, the heart posture from which you give. This is one of my favourite stories. I've actually got the widow bit in front yeah. of me. It's uh, from Mark 12. 
I'll actually read it uh, from the actual verse 41 and 42. And so it's Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched a crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, mm. but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And I think what I liked to, from that is that just by offering to God, saying, I want to know you, I want to be with you, I want to accept you, is so powerful. And it's it's not yeah. about what's in your pocket. It's about what's in your heart. Yeah. I, that's that's what yeah. I get from that. You know, that's what I get. And everyone gets yeah. different things. Big time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. Brilliant. Well done. So, so far you've got, well, there's four questions for you. That's isn't two it? So for two. Three for three if you yeah, include we, the ice cream. The, we must include the ice cream. Okay. You've got this. You ready? <laughs> Name yeah. the Roman governor who sat over Jesus' trial. Pontius Pilate. Yeah. Can you just at least wait until the music's done? All right. Because. <laughs> oh, no. No. I've I gone into to, five I'm, minutes. I've gone into five minutes of making that and you will listen to every single second of it. Thank you. It's, I'm too competitive. I want I want to prove that I know it. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. That's it. And this is really uh, prominent. So this is something which uh, you, you might find interesting listening is that Pilate actually washed his hands in front of the crowd who was saying, crucify Jesus, saying, uh, and he, he did that. He washed his hands because he was saying, I am innocent of this man's blood see to it yourself do it yourself because he couldn't see any fault in Jesus which I think is really interesting yeah he tried to let him go yeah 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 but then they freed Barabbas instead didn't they yeah the thief oh my gosh honestly the more you think about it the more that sacrifice of Jesus's was just mad, wasn't it? It was just like it's exceptional. It's not until well, I mean, that's the biggest understatement I think anyone's ever. Made. No, no, I think <laughs> yeah. it's right. I think keep it real. I think keep it real because I think that it's for me. It's not until the more even now. So I'm. I feel like I'm because I in my story, you know, like I always had sort of like God, but my relationship with Jesus came later. Even though I always believed in Jesus, mm. and you know, a lot thing. A lot of people have that story and. It's not until you look into it where some people might just think, oh, yeah, Jesus was crucified. Actually, do you know what? When you dive into it, you're like, oh, my goodness. And it's not something people can just sort of tell you. It's something you kind of learn about. And there's one day you kind of feel it and you're like, oh, my goodness. Wow, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Lauren, I know you've you've got to go. But before you do go, (laughs) do you you think that maybe you could just close this down in a a quick prayer and then I'll join in and sign it off? I'd love to. Beautiful. Okay, Lauren Windle, thank you. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, God. Thank you so much for each person listening here, Lord. Mm. Um, I just pray that you would be speaking to them about their calling and that they would know that that is not what the world sees as success, but what you are specifically asking of them in this moment. I pray that you would give them the courage, the strength, the tools to be able to live that out well for you, Lord. And that you would be their comfort, particularly for those who are considering walking back into a church after not necessarily feeling welcome or at home in that environment. And pray that in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. And just say, Lord, just please just continue that wonderful work you're doing with Lauren. And I pray that all the work that she does and all the people that she speaks to, that infectious energy, those wonderful honest, heartfelt stories, reach out and can just benefit those people, Lord. Just keep bringing the, the right people in front of her. And just I just give so much thanks for her and 
and her friends and, and family and, and loved ones and just be with her always as I know you always will. And Lord, for all these listeners today, I, I pray for good health and just joy and happiness that they will get to know you just that little bit more and have the confidence to go out and talk about you and their faith. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Do subscribe on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and all of those channels. Remember to use hashtag Lauren, you'll like this. Hashtag oof, double O F. <laughs> I love saying it. Hashtag oof. Remember to use the hashtag oof. And uh, you can email us at podcast at outskirts of faith podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks. You've been listening to the Outskirts of Faith podcast. We would love more people to join our community, so please subscribe, share this podcast, and join us on our social media. And of course, you can visit our resource website at outskirtsoffaith.com. This podcast was edited by Chris Byland, the YouTube video editing by Adam Moss, music by Matthew Salvage, and hosted by Elliot Frisbee.